Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Digital Look Reads. I'm your host, Savannah, with my co-host, Missin. I can't believe we're already on to book three. Um, and I've got to say that for a long time, Miss N and I have worked together and thought about collaborations we th- that we thought we could do, but we never actually like made it happen. And I'm really proud of us that we've been able to <laughs> record three episodes. I know. It's it's so wild. <laughs> I can't believe it's a third one. We're actually doing um, it. I know. Yay for us. So for this episode, we'll be talking about the book Already Enough, A Path to Self-Acceptance by Lisa Oliveria. In Already Enough, Lisa explores how our stories affect us, often much more than we realize. She guides us through reframing our stories so we can remember that we are already enough just as we are. And she invites us to join her on a transformative journey to healing. So I recommended this book as the next one that we'll be reading in the series because I've been following the author on Instagram for a while now and her words have really resonated with me and it reminded me a lot of the conversations that I've I've been having or you know would always have with my therapist around self-love, self-compassion and meeting ourselves where we are. So I thought it'd be a good book to kind of dive into since Savannah and I have had a lot of those conversations too. So, you know, it'd be great to have it recorded too. <laughs> um, so before we get into it, uh, like before, uh, we'll discuss how much we've read. So I've read 60, 64% of the book. How about yourself, Savannah? I I read about 40%, but I do have to say that um, within the 40% of the book that I read, I mean, this is like a self-help book, so you're not necessarily supposed to go through it fast. And I had an unfortunate time trying to get access to it in advance of this episode. But the nice thing is there are a lot of notes about like just congratulating yourself for getting through certain sections. So, you know, I did... 10% more than the last nonfiction book. So I'm proud of myself for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We're showing up as we are. Yeah, we are showing up. I guess one thing that we wanted to note before we get into our talk is that Miss N and I realized through reading this book that it circles around a lot of conversations that we already talk about with each other. And while this is a public podcast and we love to authentically show up and share with you all about our experiences, not only to destigmatize talking about the big, difficult, and emotional things, but to also reaffirm that you're not alone in these experiences. We did decide for this episode that we may not dive fully into the nitty-gritty of our experiences. One of the things you quickly learn in therapy and in doing a lot of this is self-reflection, um, is setting boundaries around what and how you want to tell your stories, and we'll still try to talk as authentically as we can, But we also want to be completely transparent that we're respecting each other's right to set boundaries on what we'll be talking about today, given that we're both private people. Yes, that decided to do (laughs) a public podcast. (laughs) All right. um, So I guess we can get started. So my question to you is, um, what were your initial assumptions about therapy? Because like when reading the book, it really talks about you know, what you kind of can expect from therapy. And I thought that was like a good way to, you know, reflect upon my own experiences in therapy. And then so I'm curious, you know, how was your experience like getting into it? I mean, the reason why I started, I felt comfortable enough to explore getting therapy was definitely witnessing you um, go through your journey. I think you started actively seeing a therapist like maybe two years before me or something like that. Um, And so I think the usual spiel that I tell people is like a few years ago, I was just in this really hard spot of my life. And I was like, I either continue on this path of like, not self-destruction, but just like being overwhelmed by anxiety and sort of really rooted in some fears that I had around my depression um, and sort of suffering through it all. Or I do something different and I try you know, I went on medication, I I started meeting with a therapist. And I mean, I think, I think for a lot, a lot of people, 
you go into therapy thinking that like you're going in with a specific purpose like I'm gonna fix my anxiety I'm gonna solve I'm gonna cure myself and you realize like as I have like three three years in that that does that doesn't happen at all so it was I definitely didn't feel like there was a ton of like stigma when I started I feel like a lot of people in my life like a lot of my friends were like okay cool but I know like with like certain family members and stuff it was like a big question about why and and sort of wondering like you know are you safe are you okay like what's happened and it was like just just having a conversation of like well I've just been in this place for a long time and I don't want to do it anymore um but I thought yeah I definitely went in thinking like this is gonna solve all my problems (laughs) that's not the case (laughs) the magic pill to to happiness maybe it's in therapy (laughs) yeah yeah I think it was it was similar to me in one sense where I think growing up and I, f- I feel like even like up until uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, I had these initial assumptions of therapy of, you know, where you go there because something is wrong with you, like you said, or you have a crisis. And I think for the longest time, I would often kind of push that aside and be like, okay, I can't, I, I don't have anything wrong with me. There's no, like, I, I would, I didn't know like what I would go for, even though like there was stuff that was probably there, but I would just be like, well, it's not like a big, like, you know, like how in therapy, sometimes they say like a big trauma, like big T and then little T, which is like little trauma, but you don't know that when you're starting out. Right. So you're like, you only think that you're, it's only worthy. You can only go to therapy if you have big things, right? So I definitely did not go until I was well into my adulthood. But I think one of the things, and I think this is a big part of people getting into therapy, is seeing people that they know and and having them talk about their experiences. And then it makes you not be afraid of actually trying it. Because it was definitely like, one summer, I was like with a group of people who were so open with therapy. They were like, you know, we, we want therapy for the whole world. And I was I was just like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> like, they were so open. And I was so I, I was very surprised by that because I was not for the longest time. I, I'm not like around people that are just super into like therapy or talking about, oh, I talked to my therapist like, last week. And I'm like, and you're just saying it out loud. <laughs> That's private information. (laughs) Right? See? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, like after, I think it, when they exposed me to the the thought of therapy, I think it took another year for me to kind of think about it. And then I had, I'd moved to Toronto maybe like a year after. So I was going back and forth between like Toronto and Montreal. And when I was back in Montreal there when I was like in in school there was this organization called vent over tea and it's essentially this peer counseling that you can do and it was free I think that was the biggest thing but there was no financial barrier to actually trying out what this counseling might look like so it's not I mean it's not the same as having a therapist but that was my first time of sitting with somebody and they essentially just did active listening and so I spoke for their maybe about 30 40 minutes and until that point I had not spoken that long and that vulnerably before and I was just like what is this why is she just listening to me (laughs) but it was really great it brought up a lot of feelings and I'm like okay there are stuff that I actually want to talk about I was still considering it. And then I went back again a few months later and got another person. And then on my bus ride back home, that's when I was like, okay, I really want to work with someone long term to like figure some stuff out. And that's how I ended up in therapy for like the last five years. And it's, it's changed my life completely. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's honestly, I think your point about you have to be exposed to people with it. Because I know, because I, like, am kind of open about it and, and, like, talking about, you know, conversations I have with my therapist or just being like, oh, like, I am that person that goes, oh, I, I had a therapy session earlier this week. When I, in, like, previous workplaces, they were always like, I'm so happy that you're open with this because it helped other people or you know, other coworkers sort of make that leap and explore the option of it. So therapy does work, people. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen a therapist, you should. Sponsored by (laughs) mental health. (laughs) There's also, so as you read through the, the book, I think one of the things that was interesting to me was this concept that she brought up around being responsible and holding ourselves accountable for our feelings and how we react. And I want to preface this, like, a lot of the book is really around reflective questions, thinking about, rethinking about, like, how you you, you do things or you, you think about things and the stories that you tell. So, yeah, just a little sidebar. But, um, but yeah, so, like, I'm curious, have you navigated through that kind of idea of, you know, holding yourself accountable for your own feelings as an adult? It's definitely hard. I feel like... There's always like a point in therapy that you hit when you when you kind of remove yourself a bit like you go from you know wanting it to be this thing that like fixes everything in your life and not to say that a lot of people that go into therapy like have a victim mentality but it there is a thing of like you know all of these things have happened to me and I haven't been able to control them and eventually you get to a point in your therapy when you realize that not necessarily that you can control everything that's happening to you, but you can control how you react to it. And I think that is when I started realizing like how, how I, I don't know, live, like live in this world or how I like approach certain situations or how I approach people is how I start to take responsibility for myself and and hold myself accountable and it's also sort of like you 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 have to I don't know you like start to develop like a a, like a really interesting way of like becoming self-aware and then it does suck for a bit because then you're like oh you know I was contributing to like this toxic environment or I wasn't reacting in a healthy way and so you kind of get in, I feel like I went into a lot of like little cycles of like, you know, something would happen to me and I'd be like, I can control my reaction. I would like do something different, but then I would sort of understand and like look at, you know, how other situations played out. And um, if I was, you know, maybe reactive in one situation versus the other, then I would start shaming myself. And then again, I would have to like restart and then hold myself accountable and be like, it's okay. Like I had to, it's such, it's such a weird thing, like showing yourself compassion while you're in it, but then also like having to acknowledge that, you know, that wasn't really a healthy response. And so you're like therapizing yourself in this <laughs> really weird way. Yeah. <laughs> I find that's like the, the most difficult thing, right, of, of being in therapy where you have to, bo- you have to hold dual concepts like my therapist always and it annoys me but I I I really I I understand what she means right but I just like I don't like it because she always tells me she's like but it can be both whether it's like feelings right it's like but you can be both angry and also understanding and I'm like no (laughs) one or the other please just be like have black and white thinking Oh my god, the first time that my therapist mentioned, she was like, I forget how we were going through it, but <laughs> when she was like, that's very black and white thinking of you, and I was like, what is that? What do you mean? <laughs> Please explain. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> then when she did, like, she gave me, like, I mean, I got a lot of handouts when I first started therapy, and so there was, like, a lot of documents. I think it was because I, ex- I expressed that I like to read and I like to sort of set the tone, I guess, for how I understand concepts. So she gave me a ton of, like, resources, 
And when I started going through them, I was like, oh, yeah, I do that. And I do that. And I do that. And it was like this huge, like, 20 bullet line list. And I was like, I do majority of these things. All of the above. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually really amazing at this therapy thing. (laughs) I'm cured. (laughs) Oh, It's so funny that your experience is like that. My therapist never gave me handouts. And once I asked, I kept asking her, what's the next step? What's the next step? (laughs) And she was like, at one point, she was like, I will not tell you the next step because you're going to Google it and overanalyze. (laughs) And I'm like, no, but I just want to know the next step. And I like, to be fair, confession, I did Google it. (laughs) I would like take some words that she would say and then Google it. And then I would, I would like see the next the next few steps and I'm like oh no I should have not googled this because then I don't really get it oh you know what that reminds me of like a section in the book I forget the client that she talks about but she highlights a client who I mean and we'll talk about this later in the episode but has like a perfectionism tactic and again like I feel like a lot of us who do have that tendency to want to be perfect in every instance we go into therapy thinking that we're going to be like the, the like world-class superstar, like best therapy person ever. And so we do a lot of research and we try to like, I guess, make ourselves like fit this mold of like what a person that goes to therapy looks like so that we excel in some way that we get some sort of validation of like, oh, you're really good. You're really self-aware when actually like that's not <laughs> the purpose <laughs> of it like you have to be authentic you have to be real you can't control the situation and make therapy work for you in a way that it just like reaffirms everything it's actually supposed to challenge you a lot of the times Mm -hmm. I think that was the most surprising thing for me I thought that therapy was just validating what you said (laughs) and when mine started challenging me I'm like wait why am I paying this lady to challenge you (laughs) And then I realized, you know, I need a balance of both. But I think in the beginning, it's very, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's very shocking to the system because you're confronting these things, right, that you do that are sometimes coping mechanisms, right? It's like back to that whole holding yourself accountable of being like, oh, there is a part that I played in this situation that I could have done better, whether that's like, setting boundaries or all of that stuff right so I think that was that was one of like the the light bulb it's still something I struggle with right but I'm just like what you mean I have to think about what I do yeah (laughs) but yeah (laughs) that's the hardest thing uh realizing that you are also contributing to it and you can like change like not only can you change how you react to the situation but you can change how it like develops in the future and that yeah hardest thing ever so a few weeks ago and I actually I don't know if this is in the story because I only read about 40 percent but a few weeks ago Miss N and I had a conversation about how caterpillars cocoon themselves and then turn into butterflies and essentially it's like you know through that evolution process they they completely destroy their bodies and and they're able to sort of come out as this new thing. And in this book, there's a lot of moments where you're sort of, you know, kind of going into like an evolutionary state where you have to sort of, you're, you're stopping yourself in a way and then sort of choosing to, to evolve or develop like new processes, new ways of believing yourself, new ways of like trusting that what you're doing is good and healthy. And I guess I'm kind of curious if what type of feelings or emotions or like what it was like for you when you had to start challenging your thoughts. I think it was really a struggle. I When I think back, I told my therapist once that all of these things of like challenging myself or challenging my thoughts and all that stuff, it started feeling like I'm in like this ocean and I only have like a life raft and it's like raining or whatever and I don't have anything to hold on to 
because it felt like that. It felt like everything that I knew was changing because I was challenging where those stories actually coming from, right? Yeah. And it's like when there are stories that you tell about yourself that may not be really helpful for you as an adult, but these are ones that you've known or like kind of internalized for a long time, you start feeling like, okay, so that was not, you know, that was not a, like a healthy thing to believe in. So who am I? Like, what what are the things that I believe in? What are my values? And, you know, how do I want to approach the world? I mean, there's so much freedom and possibilities in that for sure. But when you're in that process of trying to create that vision for yourself of what, you know, what you want your world to be like, what your values are, it's almost like you're starting from scratch in some ways. And it's scary because then you're, you're like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> tell me what, tell me what I want. Tell me where to go. And it's like, that's the whole problem of how you got in there in the first place, right? Of just like accepting everything and then never questioning it, right? So yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a struggle, but I think it's, it's a good way to really understand like what, what you want out of your life, right? Yeah. I definitely, I want to say it took me at least like a good year into therapy for me to actually start like recognizing and challenging some of those like root thoughts I had. Like I I know for, I mean, so like when I first started therapy, I was going in for anxiety and depression and then I actually had like this really traumatic event happen to me like a month in. So that took up a lot of space in my actual, like, I don't want to say progress, but like just how I thought it was going to progress. I thought I was going to be in and out within like a year. <laughs> now here I am, like entering into my third year. But um, there was, I think, after the traumatic thing that had happened and I sort of was able to sort of get back on track, um, so to say, with, you know, working towards like figuring out why I was feeling the way I was and sort of like, I don't know how many sessions it took, but it was like a good like handful of sections of like learning what I was telling myself and how, how I was interpreting situations and how it was like helping or not helping, but how it was informing and like rerouting those beliefs that I held. And I think like for me, yeah, it wasn't until about a year later that I think I was like, I was in a new job and I was like just in a new headspace. And I started noting little things that, like, you know, if somebody made a mistake at work, um, I would note how I approached them. And a lot of times I was approaching them with compassion and understanding and sort of being like, well, let's fix this, you know, this problem. Like, we'll learn from it. And then it would be like, you know, a few seconds later where I would sort of be like oh why don't I do that for myself like why can't I (laughs) show some like loving kindness and you know not essentially like shame myself into a hole of like depression when you know the smallest thing goes wrong um so it's yeah I feel like the process of like having to challenge your thoughts it it takes a lot of practice. It, it takes a lot of time. Um, and I think like the one thing in the book that was really great, I mean, like how she split it up into chapters where she sort of like talks about like the themes of the stories you tell yourself. And then I think the second chapter is like sort of um, identifying like ways that you can not combat them, but ways that you can explore them. So like, you know, showing compassion, being curious and then I think the third one, which I haven't read yet, but it looks it it's like reintegrating the stories into your life. Um, but you're continuously doing that. And um, I, I think once I started seeing like how I could implement compassion into my life, like that helped just really, yeah, start at least start the process of like allowing myself to like change and and explore the possibilities of like you know yeah maybe these coping mechanisms aren't healthy 
and I can do something a little bit different and maybe go about it in a different way, even though it is scary. And it's like, when it comes to challenging those root thoughts, like it's such a comfort, like you want to, (laughs) you want to stay with them forever. (laughs) And it's so sad, right? That it's such a comfort, even though you know, it's not good for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's almost, it's so automatic, and it's so ingrained in you. And I mean, these are thoughts, I don't know, that you're not enough, or that you don't belong, or all of those things, right? And it's, it's very universal. And yet, it's something that we struggle with in terms of like, like, for me, for example, I always feel like I'm the only one that ever actually feels this, even though like, I've talked to you about it. And you've said almost word for word, the same things, right? Like, I feel like no matter where we're at, in our practices, Miss N and I seem to always be like, <laughs> I'll be like, I'm talking about this situation that I'm in right now. And then like, two days later, she'll be like, yeah, so I was in therapy and <laughs> had a very similar conversation. <laughs> I do learn from your therapist too. <laughs> I feel like I learned from yours. I know I definitely like in my session, I'll be like, well, I was talking about it with Miss N and this is what (laughs) she (laughs) heard from her therapist. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you have popped up in my sessions as well. She asked, my therapist asked, like, do you talk to this with anyone? And I'm like, Savannah. (laughs) She's like, what did she say? I think she's trying to suss if you're like a good friend or like (laughs) a not good friend. And then she'd be like, but then, you know, I think she approves of you. imagine if she's like been working on a way to like get you to like chat like like challenge me but then it's like oh we started a podcast (laughs) kind of stuck with her for the next nine months (laughs) yeah and I guess like more on that note it's like as I sort of enter into this third year of therapy I've started working with a different therapist I guess it's I don't know I feel shameful to say but I'm working with two therapists now (laughs) I gotta let go of that judgment I think I'm transitioning to one though Uh, but you know after the compassion and after the sort of like challenging your root thoughts and how you're going about it I like with this new therapist that I'm working with I've started realizing that um and I think Lisa mentions it in the book, it's like learning how to practice radical acceptance in your life. And it's instead of like, you know, the usual go-to of like you, there's a moment that happens, there's an experience that you're like, I got to leave, like I got to run, I got to like deny myself from having it. Um, Radical self-acceptance is now like sitting with it and just like being in the moment with it and sort of like leaning into letting yourself like like kind of what you said earlier like having those dual moments of like you know I'm really frustrated by this situation but I'm also just gonna let it happen because there's not much I can do um I've been doing so I've been doing it with like a lot of my anxiety stuff but it's uh it's definitely been like a new form of like challenging the thoughts but like by just sitting with them and it's like the weirdest experience ever to have to to have to like let yourself just live with it and you can't like just trust that like it's gonna work out in some way yeah I'm curious if you've ever had this experience because that's also one of the things I struggle with where it's like you're you're trying to push away those feelings when you sit with it like I I have such a hard time with when she like my therapist tells me let's sit with it I'm like "Mm, I don't want to (laughs) I still do like we don't actually I still whenever she'll be like she'll notice something she's like what's coming up and it's like that moment is always the most for some reason the most like scariest thing when she actually sees me or sees that like some emotion has popped up and I'm like how do you see this how do you have the power to see I I feel like they have to have some sort of like sixth sense yeah because I like I do like I think I've primarily done all of my therapy over video like video calls so it's it's 
different than like being in person i think but i feel like there's a like yeah it's weird how they can just tell like that moment of vulnerability and they're like so what was that and you're like um and it's so funny though like in real life it's very rare for people to call that out when they sense like someone is feeling something and then kind of broach the topic and look at you and be like i noticed that you know your 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 face change what's happening mm-hmm. we'll kind of check in with you and so it's it's such an interesting experience to 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 be in that zone yeah i have actually had that happen to me in real life like without my therapist or anything with like this one friend and it was like I think there was like a moment where I was I was I was actually like I was really sick and I was having to do something and I was just really frustrated with um like in the moment and <laughs> first let's check and she was like where did you go like what happened and I was like don't <laughs> don't look at me <laughs> Like, I let my mask or whatever, like, slip for, like, a second, and she caught it, and I was like, I'm supposed to know my inner thoughts. <laughs> That's the biggest struggle, eh, of, like, trying to live, like, an authentic life, where it's, like, you're being asked to remove that mask, where you do feel safe, though, in having that mask. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, yeah, I feel like through therapy i've been i've been able to be more authentic with how i'm feeling about things like i remember the first time i when i was first starting to see my therapist i think it was like the second or third session and she was like you know you go about it she's like hey like how's your day been and obviously like the initial response is like oh it's good it's fine like things are going (laughs) and then like 10 minutes later you're just like crying because of like something that you're processing um i think like the the second or third time that like uh she would be like how's your day been or whatever and i would i would go like it's fine she would be like no you can actually say like if you're feeling like if there are other feelings happening and i was like oh well i guess i can be honest (laughs) i am paying you (laughs) to I actually hate today, so (laughs) I feel like I still do the thing where I'm like, oh, it's good, but (laughs) this happened. I'm not, I'm not at that point yet, eh? And I'm like, I'm like five years in. She's like, now she, but she does do this thing where, so I would say like, she would be like, how are you? And I'd be like, oh okay because I'm like I don't know I I, it's hard for me to be like when she says how are you to be like it's been crappy because like my definition of crappy is like I lost my house or I lost my home and I'm outside and it's raining still thinking in that big T (laughs) right (laughs) it's a learning process (laughs) um but she does ask like can you define what okay means I'm like okay (laughs) just okay i uh most sometimes i'll be like i'll be like in this moment i'm i actually feel really good because i feel like a lot of times when i do have a therapy session i'm like actually looking for i mean most of the time i'm looking forward to it there have been a few times where i'm like i don't want to talk about this or like i know that there's something that i'm gonna have to talk about and i just like don't want to like that's where i'm like denying and suppressing the 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 moment the experience I should be having and so I'll be like I'm doing good but actually it's not that great but I am like for the most part being like I'm actually looking forward to this session and so I am doing okay right now but I'm sure I'll be crying in the next you know 15 minutes (laughs) I guess because I mean a lot of this book like we've we've been having this conversation because this book is it really covers like a wide expanse of like the therapy experience and one thing that I noticed um which I thought was really fantastic was how she like it is a tool like you don't have to go to therapy you don't need to be actively working with a therapist to to read this book which I think is like super beneficial and I mean she is a therapist I think right 
So she, I mean, obviously she does a really good job, but there are moments in this book where she like humanizes your healing and she focuses, I mean, I'm not too sure. I mean, you can probably speak to it a little bit more and like what it looks like in the later parts of the book, but at the first like chapter, she talks about how like therapy is not an end all be all sort of thing. And so she like really sort of hones in on the idea that you like healing is a process it's something that you're continuously gonna have to do it's not like you're gonna go to therapy you know you spend a year with them it gets fixed and then you don't ever have to go to therapy again because you're completely healed and everything that you (laughs) I don't know that you're going to experience in the future will be fine because you're healed and you'll be able to deal with it which when I think about it now I'm like that makes no sense (laughs) why I thought that way (laughs) because you're also oh one of the things that I wanted to ask you about this too is because when you're in therapy you're also living your life yeah and your life does not end you're also adding to whatever so it's such a strange process of changing your life or changing your mindset while you're also getting crap sometimes from life. So it's like such a strange, like, I want to like heal myself, but also I want to talk about this thing that is like so much more present as well, right? Yeah. I think that was the, I mean, obviously that happened to me because I like went into therapy with one objective of like, I'm going to fix my anxiety and my depression. And then I had like, you know, the traumatic thing happened. And so it like really veered me off the the path that I thought I was going on when actually it, it probably helped me in like more ways than I could ever express. But it was really hard when it was like every time <laughs> I feel like for the first year I was like going into a session, I was like, I'm going to or it would be like maybe two weeks out or like a week out from the session. I'd be like, OK, like I'm going to talk about this instance of my life that I really want to, you know, navigate and look at. Um, or like when I was dealing like with identifying like my root problems, like I'm really going to focus in on this. And then like the week of my session, something would happen and it would just like, you know, veer everything off again because then it would be like at the top of my mind and I'd be like, well, now I have to process this. <laughs> Never ends processing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do, I mean, looking back on it now, even though it was really frustrating that I felt like I kept, I mean, I I definitely, I felt like every time that happened when I had to like deal with something in the moment, I was like, well, this is slowing down my progress, but it, it really wasn't. It was actually in a way help, like while you're healing one section of yourself, it's also healing the rest. You just don't see it. Um, And I mean, like, that's what she discusses in the first chapter of the book is that like healing is not linear. It's something that's continuous and you don't see it until like you're months ahead and you're like, oh, actually dealing with that situation helped fix this other thing that was weighing on me this entire time, too. Mm -hmm. I love what you said around healing a part of you is also healing the rest, because I think one of the things that we forget is that when when we're working on stuff about our lives we as we as a person is still one whole person right so even if it's just like a tiny thing that's still part of everything else that you're like going through right and I think one of the things that my therapist said because I do I did struggle with that too of like I didn't like when I went to therapy it was for like one specific thing and I thought that was the thing that we would talk about for like tops 20 sessions, then I'm out. (laughs) But she only talked about it for like three sessions. And then we talked about something else completely. uh, Because like the thing with therapy is like you peel one layer and then you, you, you discover all of these other things. And I remember telling her once, I'm like, I feel like I'm bringing up like all of these different unrelated things to you. Like, how does this all connect? And she's like, trust in the process like it's gonna connect and she's like if you don't mention it the next time sooner or later the main themes will 
keep recurring because there's something in the universe. Well, she didn't say that, but this is my me saying where it's like the universe keeps on like bringing up these like situations that test certain things about you or like what you you have to learn or what you have to kind of work on. And I think like five years on, like I, I've started to realize there are like main core themes that I need to work on with myself. And when I look back at like the early years, I realized that all of those things were connected, but it's just, it's hard to know that in the beginning because you're like, how does this, that's like not even remotely connected with another thing. How do they all kind of thing, but you just have to trust, you have to, go through it and then trust it but it's very yeah it's very hard oh my god I think I mean we have this conversation all the time and I feel like I say it all the time where I'm like we just gotta trust the process and it's like that is literally the hardest thing to do is just to trust that it's going to like work out in whatever way that it's supposed to work out because it eventually it does and it I mean a lot of times it's like well, it didn't work out the way I thought it would. And so obviously that means that like I did something wrong, but it's actually like, well, no, like it, it opened you up to this opportunity or to this like new way of like educating yourself or learning about yourself or connecting with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you, um, because I, I started therapy maybe one year after we met and like you've seen like how I've grown. So like at work, for example, like when we first met, like I was the most, I mean, for me, like, I think I started off just wanting to be diplomatic with everyone and not like I was very conflict averse. And so any kind of like pushing back with like our bosses or any of that, like I would just not be that type of person. And as Savannah would probably attest, like during the last maybe like four years, I've started to, I mean, I'm still not at that point where I would like completely like be in a meeting and be like you're wrong but I'm surprised that I actually like after meetings that I would I would like let's say speak to my boss or whatever and then like say like oh I don't think that's a good idea or back it up and all that stuff and that's definitely my growth in terms of like how I've seen myself change of like going from like this person that's like just wanted everyone to be like you know, hunky dory to someone that's like not afraid to kind of speak up and say, I don't think this is right. Or, you know, I think this is much better. This is the data to like back it up or all of that stuff. So I'm curious about like your side of things and, and your growth, because we've talked about this before. And I just, I just find the whole pattern of our growth so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what Miss Anne is alluding to is that we've gone in completely we flipped like we flipped because when we first met at um the the film festival that we worked at um where our friendship blossomed I was a very headstrong and like I don't want to say aggressive but I feel like I had a lot of like tendency to sort of say no to things or to push back on a lot of things when really when I think about it now I'm like why was I pushing back on that like that was <laughs> I should have said yes I don't but I think we were just also stressed I was like I at the time I was trying to create a safe uh like a, a space of security and safety for ourselves and um ensure that we weren't being overworked because that was so common and now I think like what five years later I I mean I I don't necessarily push back but I do give a lot of moments to pause and reflect on how I'm going to engage and I think like I've told this many times like somebody will request something of me and I'll be like okay yeah sure like it's not really part of my job description but let's see let's see if this works like let's throw it out let's Let's figure out if this is a thing. So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, like, how when we first met, I was very, like, headstrong. I was very aggressive. I was saying no to things. I was put, I didn't have any <laughs> explanation whatsoever. And you were a lot quieter and you were, yeah, more diplomatic and, and wanting to, to 
you know, you would say yes to things just to avoid conflict. And now I do that because I'm like, I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't really see it as conflict, but I'm just like, well, if, if this is an idea that you want to run with and like, I don't like, I think I go by the, the mentality of like, I can't say for certain if this is not going to work. So let's, I, I guess I, I apply a more curious mindset and I'm like, let's try it. Let's see. Like, and I think that's just because a lot of my experiences in workplaces since then has been like, when I have tried to push back, um, I've, I've encountered a lot of situations where, you know, I was just told to do it or to get it done or whatever. So I couldn't actually, like, even when I pushed back, I was still kind of forced to do it anyways. And so now I'm just like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, and now you're the one. But you actually back your stuff up with like like facts and science. And <laughs> like you have these paragraph, like these, I'm so, I'm I'm always like just amazed by how much you can just put into something. And I'm like, I... <laughs> I look at your emails. I'm like, I'm tired, <laughs> but I know that they're good. I know that they're like beneficial. They're helpful. They're so knowledgeable, but I know myself. I'm like, I can't put that effort. I'm so tired. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, it's probably like my way to actually speak up in the sense that that's the only way I will feel confident about speaking up because it's like, I think if I just say something it it I don't know it's something that I probably still need to navigate but it's like I need to have like facts to be like then they can't you know I mean they can obviously like talk through it and like if they have their own facts then that's something to discuss but then it makes me feel more confident to be like well this is why I think that it's wrong or this is why I think we should improve on it um and then it helps open up that conversation more but but yeah I think it's 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 very interesting though, right? Like how life kind of throws you situations that forces you to grow. Where it's like I know, like from our stories, like I, I keep being placed into situations where I I like I have to speak up or I feel like I need to speak up, and it's like that's the thing that you don't want to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> so life is cool that way. I wonder what I'm. I'm trying to think of like for work, like what I'm working on. Cause okay. Like I did want to talk a little bit about like the imposter syndrome that we get, like with digital communications. Yeah. I feel like that's a very common theme of like this, like the, in the book, Lisa outlined sort of like common stories that we tell ourselves. And a lot of it is like, you know, um, a sense of not belonging, perfectionism, being an inner critic, imposter syndrome. There's a few others, Um, but I think early on in our careers, and I wonder if like, maybe that's why I was like, so headstrong before was because I had so much imposter syndrome that I was (laughs) just battling it out by like, (laughs) (laughs) externalizing it. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, it's, it's a thing that I have actually, like, I don't feel it as much anymore. The only times I feel it is like when I go into a sort of like experience, like, I don't know, I've just encountered like a thing where like I might need to do paid social for the first time in a while. And my like, that's when it rears up because I'm like, I haven't done this in like four years and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And (laughs) obviously I'm going to be terrible. And then it like plays into that perfectionism piece and like the, that inner critic of like, you're going to make a mistake. It's going to cost a ton of money. You're never going to learn from it. You're going to lose your job. Like there's all of these like things that I tell myself. Worst case scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Worst, worst case. But that's like where my mind goes, right? Like (laughs) they ask you to do paid social. I'm like, I'm going to lose my job over this. (laughs) It's so extreme. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. But um, how how has it been for you? Like how like what are the things that you're telling yourself at work, or is it just like you're sort of dealing with having to be a more assertive? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I mean, when I started, like one of the reasons why I started like speaking up and stuff was because 
I actually had a really good manager maybe like um, three or four years ago who told me like up front in like a one-on-one where she's like, Nicole, you have really good ideas. Like you need to speak up more. And like she really encouraged me to say things. And like my therapist was like, she seems like a safe manager. Like, you know, like maybe try and see if you don't like it, then you can go back to what you were before. But, you know, if you if you want to, then do it. So I think that has helped me um, to be more assured. In that's why I write those like long backed <laughs> data backed emails. Um, but I think like when it comes to imposter syndrome, one of the things like that my therapist has told me is like to always look at examples of your past. And I think like we always have this like, you know, back and forth sometimes of like whenever we we struggle with like imposter syndrome right of being like you know look at all of your successes like you've been in this industry for xyz years you've worked on like these big campaigns you've done this before and it's almost like that whole process of stepping back and remembering that while you're still having like you know, these thoughts in your head of being like, no, I'm not good enough. They'll find me out. They'll like fire me. They'll like, like what you just said. Like, I'll lose my, like, I'll lose my job or something. Like, you know, one of the, when I got this um, apartment, one of my biggest fears was that like, I'll lose my job and then I won't have money to pay for, for rent. And then my therapist was like, why are you performing badly? I'm like, no, but they'll find out and then I'll lose but it's it's that fear like that scarcity mindset of like yeah i'm like i'm going to like for some reason my i'm telling myself i'm gonna fail at this and it's going to ruin my entire livelihood and (laughs) i'm not gonna be able to survive yeah (laughs) it's uh it's that's where like i mean again in the book it, it, it highlights different ways that you can reframe your story but that's when you have to hold on to that secondary belief of like oh I need to be more compassionate to myself and that I need to trust that the people that I'm working with are actually going to you know be cool with it if I do make a mistake or if something does happen like it's not going to exactly result in me getting fired because this is the first mistake that I've done (laughs) but it's it's uh yeah it's interesting when you have to start navigating that and you have to start holding on to those multiple beliefs while like again you're challenging yourself you're going through that cycle of like you know identifying what you're telling yourself finding ways to like be curious about it and being like why am I having this conversation and then having to like reframe it in a way that's like neutralizing the situation yeah for sure and I think it relates to what we're talking about earlier today where you were talking about you know people making mistakes and then you're like oh everyone makes mistakes Did you <laughs> I mean yes that sounds very basic but like it's just sometimes we forget right where we put so much it's like that whole thing around perfectionism of we put so much pressure on performing well at the very first instance where if you really step back like I mean you can probably you can say what you said oh my god yeah yeah, I mean, what was it like I this morning just somebody that we that I work with like an external person, there wasn't like there was a mistake that was made and the initial thing was like, "Oh, we'll just point it out to them so that they know so that they can fix it essentially." Like it wasn't a big thing. Um, but then I was like, "Oh my god, if I had made a mistake like that, like in my mind that would be the end of the world." When really it's like oh, these are the moments that we have to start. Or I guess like for me, like it, these are the moments where I have to remind myself or I use them as like little note takers of like, oh, like this person did it and so it normalizes the fact that we can make a mistake or something like this happens. And it's, it's not the end of the world because the people that you're working with hopefully are gonna be compassionate and will point it out in a way that's like, oh, just so you know, like this happened can you fix it and like we'll we'll get it done um but I find like I guess it's that that's where like that inner critic comes in where you know obviously I have to be perfect I can't make any mistakes whatsoever 
but when somebody else does it it's totally fine like it right (laughs) oh yeah therapy like that's the thing is like the amount of like self-awareness and like curiosity life I've like developed over the the past three years has been so remarkable to me but also I mean we can talk about this a little bit too is like the self-awareness piece is like mind-blowing I guess because it's like not only are you going through it you're living your life but then when you add that layer of self-awareness where you're like oh wait why am I actually responding this way or why am I reacting this way and it's like then you have to like you become your own therapist in the moment and it's (laughs) it's wild so I think one of the the interesting things that I still am kind of working on is realizing that so you have that that voice in your head that's like your inner therapist too right but it's also like juggling like that whole moment of trying to process your emotions too and sitting space so it's almost like three processes there's like the (laughs) the process where you you have to just let the feelings sit with you while you process it and like you you bring it out because when you're in that moment you don't want to judge it right you don't want to fix the situation or you know try to be like think about it in a a new way because that's very invalidating to yourself right so it's it's that yeah therapy is so wild that it makes you think in like three-dimensional (laughs) four-dimensional way and it's like I sometimes do not know what what mindset I should go into but I guess it's like a lifelong lesson, right? Or like a lifelong learning to be like, okay, like this is this is now this place. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'm okay now. I can go on like that whole step process thing, right? Yeah. I think it's um, the biggest thing. I, I mean, I, I feel like we talk about it too sometimes is like recognizing that you're not always going to get it right. And like, again, you're... <laughs> when you recognize that you're showing yourself compassion you're allowing yourself to like be on whatever journey you're on and allowing yourself to continue like continuing and however you're going trusting that like in the process that you know maybe next time you'll figure it out in a better way or whatever but yeah oh my like I always like when we start talking about therapy I'm always like just my I'm amazed like my brain is just like if this is wonderful what is this <laughs> it's growing <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's so many layers to it <laughs> yeah okay I guess because we are nearing like the hour mark we should probably just jump to the like the last two questions that we have sure um which are kind of combined mm-hmm. and so I guess I'll ask um, what are ways that therapy has helped you to develop better self-care routines? Ooh, I think it's what you were talking about in terms of stepping back when something happens. Not that I do it all the time, but like she has said in the book too, this whole thing is a practice, right? The more that you do it, the easier it becomes, but you won't always be able to do it but that's also okay like you were saying right to have that kind of self-compassion to know that you're trying and that's the most that you can do like let yourself be human in this moment and if you make a mistake that's also okay like there's not like one of the questions that my therapist would ask me is like who is telling you that you can't make a mistake or who is telling you that you know like you should be this way or you should be that way it's like Sometimes it's just like life is, we're all just kind of figuring it out as we go along, right? And I think that's the number one thing that I've kind of tried to incorporate in my life to just show that kind of compassion towards myself to be like, okay, this is my path. This is my journey. And no matter if sometimes I feel like it's going too slow or, you know, I'm putting pressure, like to just be aware of that. And then it kind of helps me. Yeah. How about yourself? Well, I like, I feel like there's a few things. And actually, like, one thing I am grateful for with working with therapists is they do these, like, little practices with me where I have to, like, 
not make like a contingency plan, but it's sort of just looking at um, what I can do to ensure that like when I'm having a hard moment or whatever, like that I'm taking care of myself. And a lot of it is like connecting with myself in different ways, like going for a walk or uh, it's like these really simple things, you know, identifying when I'm feeling anxious and instead of like approaching myself with, you know, anger or whatever like being a little bit more compassionate I also I I felt really proud when I said this because my therapist was like oh interesting but I make these like little contingency depression meals of like when I'm having a really rough day I will just always have like a frozen pizza like in my freezer so that I know that if I don't want to cook or if I don't want to do anything I can at least throw in the pizza (laughs) that's like my contingency plan of like I'll eat this when I'm just really sad um which doesn't happen a lot so I but then it's like a nice reward of like well now I have a frozen pizza that I can eat this week (laughs) I do love that though because it shows you like you're showing up for yourself in whatever form that you might be in that day right and it's it's like it's thinking about okay like I might not have the capacity on that day to cook but I still need to eat so I have food for you right yeah yeah my whenever that happens like my current self always thanks my past self like (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah do you find that you're you're becoming more like a friend to your past self or your past self is becoming more a friend to your current self versus kind of like I don't know what you might have been before I mean, we like when we talked about um, in last episode of like having to sit with ourselves, like in our like our younger versions. I feel like when I had to start doing that and like sitting with younger Savannah, I was like, I just started really recognizing that like I was really hard on her for no reason. Like, I just needed to provide like more of like a I guess healthy safe space for her and so I think that's like it's been I've been building reciprocity with like the different versions of myself which is kind of like a weird thing to say and I feel like you don't know what it's like unless you experience therapy in some sense to be like well yeah I'm friends with like 15 year old Sav and I'm also going to be friends with you know 60 year old Sav like it's it's a weird thing but yeah definitely there's like a lot more love and compassion that happens now than I think I had before that's so nice yeah so I think that's a good way to end our um, podcast for today so before we end things though I'm curious Sab would you recommend reading this book at the point that you you're at right now yeah I mean I definitely I tried to read this book over the course of a weekend and that obviously did not work out because you're going through such it's it's you have to really pace it out I would say like 100% read this book but don't try to read it over a weekend I think it's more of a process that if you aren't seeing a therapist or if you're not actively working with one right now or you're interested in therapy but you don't know how to start like I think this book is a good way for you to sort of introduce yourself to the concepts and go over like the themes and just like the different ways that you can approach yourself through therapy um and I would say like it would it would be helpful to do it over the course of like a month maybe even two months again like however fast you read it doesn't really mean anything because the journey of like the exploration of yourself is going to be the same um I'm also sure that like when I was reading it, there were a lot of things where I was like, oh yeah, like I used to talk about this with my therapist or there was like a few times of like, oh right, like there's this thing and I haven't really actually touched upon it in a while. So it was like a nice reminder of like practices I should, you know, try to hang on to again or re-implement in my life. Um, So I think no matter where you are at, if you're interested in going to therapy or you've been working with a therapist I think like the book is beneficial to anyone um so yeah 100% I'm gonna finish it 
it's just there is a lot of content and I, I do think it's more beneficial for you to sit with it than to just try to like plow your way through yeah I think that's like one of the things she also so I'm listening to the audio version of the book and so that's like one of the things that like she says where she's like this book is something that you know you should stop and reflect and think about how you can kind of incorporate I guess it's like what you're saying in terms of like integrating it into your life and so for me yeah I think I'll read the next 40 percent probably in the next you know few weeks and one of the things, one of the last things that I read, which I think is like a perfect follow-up to what you had just said, is she had said that the next the next best move in life is really just taking it one step at a time versus thinking about, you know, trying to achieve like this very big goal. Because like what happens is that if you think about like a big thing, it becomes so overwhelming. Whereas if you're thinking about like, What's the one step that could get me closer there? You're being present in this moment. And then that doesn't feel so overwhelming. And she says something like, our life is made out of all of these like small steps and tiny steps that shifts our our life like little by little. But then it becomes like a big, big shift when you look at it from like a, like a, like from a macro perspective. Right. So, so yeah, it's a good way to end end the podcast we recommend the book guys go read it or go read it it. or listen to it yeah (laughs) and go to therapy if you're able to (laughs) if you can't afford therapy read a book um and also like i think you didn't really mention it but there are ways to do sliding skill options with therapy so you may not necessarily be able to afford a therapist at $100 but sometimes they offer things like $75 a session right so mm-hmm. and that's actually like how I started and a lot of these uh, like sliding scale ones sometimes they're not even advertised so I think you know even just emailing the person that you want to work with and see do you work with like sl- sliding scale folks um, you might be surprised because I thought like mine was way expensive but she offered sliding scales so. mm-hmm. yeah Thanks for listening to us, guys. Uh, We appreciate you. And don't forget to like and subscribe and follow us at The Digital Look. Okay. Bye. Bye.